If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless. Ready to get 30 30, to get 30, ready to get 20 20, 20 to get 20 20, to get 15 15 15 15 just 15 bucks a month. So, give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Years ago when I was in my late teens. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless. Ready to get 30 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20 20, ready to get 20 20, ready to get 15 15 15 15 just 15 bucks a month. So, give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit juvederm.com. That's j u v e d e r m.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Means me, my cousin and four friends went camping about 90 minutes north of where we lived in the Bay Area of California. We went to a regular camping ground and set up for 3 days and nights of partying. We heard from a few O'Hare campers who were somewhat locals of the area, living within 20-30 minute drive, that there were local stories about a section of the woods that were supposed to be off limits due to paranormal activity as soon as i heard that i decided we had to go check it out my cousin and one of our friends were willing to go our other three friends thought it was bull and stayed to get more drunk/stone so we set off on the second night 
We got directions from my boyfriend slash girlfriend on where to drive to, so we went at about 11 p.m. We arrived at 11, 20 due to dirt roads and going slow to not pop a tire. After parking, we got out on foot and walked for about the same amount of time, maybe a little longer into the woods, single file down what seemed like a game trail. After about 30 minutes of walking, we started to see a glow in the near distance. We kept walking, but more quietly. When we got to within about 300 yards, we could see that it was a bonfire with several small fires around it. When we got to within 250 yards, we could hear people. We started to get a bit spooked at this point, but like naive kids, kept going. As soon as we got to within about 70, 80 yards, we could pretty much make out that we stumbled onto a ritual being held in the middle of the woods. We couldn't make out what the people were wearing or specifically doing, but they were visible in the firelight, and there were about 12, 15 of them around the main fire, chanting and occasionally yelling. The main person, I assume, would walk to the edge of the circle of flames, disappear for a few seconds due to not being visible, then come back to the main fire and do something which encouraged the rest to yell and chant. Well, out of stupidity and curiosity, we wanted to see exactly what they were doing here in the middle of nowhere. We got a bit too close and we saw a person look in our direction stare for a few seconds, and started to walk towards where we were not fifty to weigh. This sent us running as fast as we could while not trying to lose each other. The person yelled, confirming it was a he, and we started to be chased by. I don't know how many of these people. We could hear them charging into the forest and after us in our direction, and thank God we had that amount of a separation on them, or who knows. We got to my cousin's truck, piled in, and took off as fast as we could for the first couple one-quarter mile. Needless to say, we've never been back. I camp elsewhere. This happened to me over the weekend during a hunting trip. I spent last night trying to Google and figure out what the hell I saw. I haven't found anything that doesn't seem like conspiracy craziness, so I am open to any suggestion. A family friend has a few hundred acres in Tennessee. Once a year, my dad, uncle, me, and the guys in the family that own the land go on a week-long hunting trip. They have a cabin and a trailer tucked away at the edge of the mountain that we stay at during the week. There is no running water, and we use a generator for lights during the evening. Phone service is non-existent out there. The nearest town is Murphy, Tennessee, which is about 50 minutes away by car. Typically, we get out to tree stands or ground blinds around 4 a.m. and then come back to the camp around 9-ish, grab something to eat, and nap, and then head back to hunt until sundown. All week, my uncle and I hunted the same plot. It was on the east side of the property and took about 20 minutes by a four-wheeler. We would park the four-wheeler in this big clearing, and then the ground blind I was hunting from is another 15 minutes or so by foot. It's a rough 15 minutes, too. I basically walk along this ridge line on the side of the mountain, and the blind is set just inside the underbrush of a tree line that overlooks an opening at the start of a river. My uncle was hunting in a blind that was a little closer walk and probably 30 minutes away from me. We hunted the same spot Sunday, Thursday. 
Thursday evening, we were all drinking beer and hanging out by the fire. My uncle, having not seen anything all week, wanted to go to the plot my dad was hunting. It's like a 30-man walk from the camp. You don't even need a four-wheeler to get there. I'd killed a deer the first afternoon there and seen a bunch of does that evening right before sunset, so I wanted to stay where I was. So Friday morning, after we hunted, I helped him pack up his blind and ride it out to the plot my dad had been on and helped him get set up for that evening. I took the four-wheeler by myself that afternoon and continued hunting the same ground blind. Same thing as I had done all week, everything was fine. Nothing out of the ordinary until Saturday morning. I had gone out by myself again that morning and had watched a bunch of deer that crept up right before the sun started coming up. They were a bit further than I wanted to shoot, and when they got closer to the edge of the river, they weren't big enough or were too young for me to justify shooting. I watched them until they retreated back into the woods, and at this point it's probably 8.30 or more so, and the sun is fully up. Now, this is embarrassing for me, but oh well. Having spent almost an entire week packed in this trailer with two other guys and no privacy, I decided I was going to rub one out before I went back to the camp. Every hunter has done it indeed, if you admit it or not. Lol, now I'm sitting there doing my thing, and even though nobody ever walks up on you while you're hunting out there, I'm still on high alert, making sure I don't get caught by one of the guys while I'm doing this. I'm laid back in this chair inside the blind, basically one eye open looking out in front of me and every now and again peeking behind me through the mesh to make sure no one is coming. That's when I started hearing crunching. I knew it was people footsteps and I could tell it was more than one person. It was to my right and the mesh of the ground blind and underbrush kept me from being able to see who it was. I calmly put my junk away and quietly leaned up so when my uncle or whoever it was came up, I could act like I was just sitting there hunting. Keep in mind, we are so far out in the sticks that it never even occurred to me that it could be anybody other than someone I was hunting with. I listened to them walking and finally I slowly stood up and poked my head out the blind and peeked over the underbrush. It was four people walking towards the river in a line. They were wearing these black cloak-looking clothes like something they wear in Harry Potter with these furry hats that covered most of their faces. Looked like some weird cult, but the guy in the back of the line was completely naked. He looked disgusting. His hair was curly and way too long, and he had a big beard that looked nasty like it had a bunch of leaves and shit in it. I'm bundled up with hand warmers in my pockets because it's like 25, 30 degrees out. This guy had to be freezing. No shoes either. This is thick underbrush we're talking about walking through. Rocks jutting up from the ground and shit. No sane person is out there barefoot, much less completely naked. The guy had to be 115 pounds too. Just completely unhealthy looking, like these people had been keeping him prisoner or something. The sight of these guys was so unnerving to me that I was still standing there frozen in an awkward half-stand, half-bent-over position, with my head out the blind, watching them before it clicked with me. I needed to slowly sit down. At that point, they had passed the point of the blind where I couldn't see them, and were walking with their backs to me towards the river. 
I slowly sat down and put my rifle in my lap and watched them all step ankle-deep into the river. They were facing side profile away from me towards the woods, and I could see two of the clothed people moving around the naked guy, and one of them was standing still, holding their arm out in front of them. I got the nerve to look through my scope at them, and it looked like two of them were washing the guy with the river water, and the other one holding their arm out holding like a chain or something. The one holding the chain was talking, but way too far for me to hear any of it. After a few minutes, the two doing the washing stopped, and all three of them held hands around the naked guy and started moving in a circle around him, while he just stood there staring ahead. They did this shit for five minutes at least. That doesn't seem like a long time, but five whole minutes of watching whatever the hell that was seemed like a lifetime. Something of note that clicked with me last night. Whatever they were doing seemed time-based. My watch beeped at nine and nearly gave me a heart attack. No way they could hear it but in my head. I was picturing them all turning and looking at me, but right after my watch beeped they stopped a few seconds later, so nine on the dot. The three clothes people stepped back in a line in front of the naked guy, and they walked back the way they came from, exactly like they came in. None of them talked or broke the line they were walking in. It was terrifying because the way out for them was the first time I truly could have been in their line of sight. They never saw me, though, and I watched them once they passed me head back up the mountain from where I assumed they originally came from. I waited for 30 minutes or so and booked it out of there so fast. I've been a female truck driver for the past 15 years. I'm also a quantum healing hypnosis practitioner, which is a past life regression and healing modality. I've had UFO experiences, and I've seen six ships, including an incident four months ago in Sedona, Arizona. Two nights in a row I saw a ship, a long oval with an estimated 100 lights or square windows on the side. It was silent, moving left to right, both nights at the same height. My first forest people experience was at age 23, driving on Delaney Valley Road. There was a restaurant to my right called Pierce's Plantation in front, and to my left was the Lock Raven Reservoir in Baltimore County, Maryland. As I approach the turn, I feel anxiety for no reason. It's like a wall was suddenly there. I feel like maybe something bad is about to happen. I do not see anything. I hear a clear voice in my head that says, do not look him directly in the eyes. So as humans do, I took it in and kept driving, still feeling creepy. Six miles down the road, I came to a stop and made a left turn onto the Lock Raven Reservoir Bridge. After coming off the bridge, there's a person walking that looks like a man in pants and a black hoodie with the hood up. It was fall and it was cold. The fear was still there and was building up. As the person was coming closer to the car, I knew it was about the person I was warned not to look at. No other persons or cars were on the road. I remember being a defiant 23-year-old and thinking, I'm going to look at this person. Well, I did. I could not see the face, but there were two red glowing eyes. I looked down quickly and passed them. I got a sense of it being male. The fear passed after I passed him. Do I think it was a forest person? No. 
He was normal size, like a slender teenager. I think the forest people were warning me. Perhaps they knew of the encounter that was going to happen. My story goes back to 1975. My girlfriend and I were driving back to Idaho where I was going to school. We were headed towards Yellowstone Park in the Montana East Gate in a little yellow Volkswagen. It was around midnight and it was kind of snowing. Picture a two-lane road with tall trees and no moon or anything. Just our headlights and the snow falling. All of a sudden there was this figure I saw walking right in the center of the road walking in the same direction as me. In other words, her back was to me. It was a woman. At first I noticed her, and I told my girlfriend, Do you see what I see? A girl walking out here at midnight. It's probably about 30 degrees out. The closer we got, the more detail I could make out. I was going to roll down my window and ask if she needed help, but we noticed that she was wearing very old, I guess 19th century garb clothing. And she had hobnail boots. She had a long shawl around her shoulders and in her hair. She had long brown hair, down probably a little bit below her shoulder blades. And the closer we got, we noticed something weird. Her hair was completely dry, not wet, like you would expect for somebody out in the snow. I was about to roll down my window and my girlfriend said, don't even stop. Don't even look. Go. You know, that freaked me out because I was just about ready to slow down. She said, don't even look in the mirror. She has no face. I immediately drove away. You can imagine here we are putting along in a little Volkswagen, and I just slowly moved over to the right to avoid hitting her. As I moved off and later got to the gate, the ranger said, sorry, the pass is closed tonight due to the snow. I asked, you mean we gotta go back? He says, well, there's a little motel about half a mile back. We were scared out of our wits. Anyway, we got to this motel, and fortunately, the guy still had a room available. As soon as we got in the room, we just locked the door and put the chair in front of it. The rest of the night, we couldn't sleep. In 1988, I was the assigned security supervisor for the Winnegareth Munitions storage area, although it was just on the other side of the village of Winnegareth. We called it Morbach. We were assigned to Han Air Base and not Morbach. Morbach isn't even a base. It is a town just down the road on the B-327. As we drove through Winnegareth, I was driving the bus. Some of the guys noticed that the candle in the shrine was not lit and there was a full moon. We all knew of the local legend. We sort of just laughed about it. When we first came on duty, my patrols would do a sweep of their assigned sectors. As I was in the security trailer with the security controller radio dispatch, reading the previous shift's logs, one of my foot patrols found three dead deer within one of the wooded areas and radioed us. When I arrived on scene, I noticed that their throats were damaged and two had their entrails and handquarters eaten along with what appeared to be their internal organs, liver, heart. We did have wild boar in and out of the area, and these were a small barking deer species. 
We placed a call to the local forest meister so he could remove the deer carcasses. I went back to the security control trailer to phone the base on the incident. After that, I radioed all patrols for an area briefing at control. As the patrols rolled in, we heard a low-level but loud growl, howl coming from the direction of our only alarmed structures to the west of our location. I radioed the foot patrol assigned to that area since they were still en route. As I did, they came running out of the darkness yelling, Did you guys hear that? About that time it howled again, low, deep, long, and loud. It sounded like it was within our fence line. I called the entry control point to see if they had permitted any K-9 patrols in the area. They said no, and also reported the howling. One of the guys said, what if it's the werewolf? We all kind of giggled, but then it howled again. This time from the center of the site, but this howl was unreal. It vibrated you inside. Hard to describe. I called the base and updated them that we had a breach of some kind of animal. Sounded like a large dog or possibly a wild animal. They stated that the forest master had been called and was on his way. I asked the patrols if they wanted me to turn on the area lighting. They said no. The area lighting usually made matters worse since they cast too many shadows and ruined your night vision. As it was with the full moon, we could see pretty good. Issued night vision scopes to two of the patrol leaders. They mounted on our M16s. I informed them that they did not have permission to lock and load, since it was peacetime Cold War. We carried our weapons with a loaded magazine, weapon on safe, and no round in the chamber. When it was about to get noisy, lock and load meant to charge your weapon, jack around in the chamber, and get ready to rock and roll baby. I took one of the foot patrols with me, strengthened numbers, and headed to the perimeter in case it tried to circle my guys. I went by the fallen deer to show the patrol. When we got there, I noticed that the third deer had also been snacked on. I immediately called all the patrols. It had come back and fed on the third deer. About that time, one of the mounted patrols, vehicle, had made contact and was pursuing a large, dark canine. We ran in a circular route as to try to outflank whatever it was they were chasing. The entry gate radioed me saying that our K-9 patrol had arrived. I had them dispatched to the western fence line since that's where we were all going. The pursuing patrol radioed that it was turning towards the command trailer. Here's a funny part. Alpha control radioed that he was locking down and wasn't opening the door till daylight. I took the foot patrol and headed to the fence line since we had two patrols going to control. The key nine patrol was already there and I dispatched him to the alarm structures to stand by. I did this since they were between control and the perimeter fence. When we got to the fence, I put one of the guys near the fence line and I with the patrol leader headed to a small hill to overwatch his position. I asked for status reports because I could hear a lot of yelling. They said it was coming toward us. I radioed control to turn on our sector's lighting. Our area was mostly open with trees on the right side. We switched off our scopes and in that instant that we reached to turn off the units, our guy on the fence started screaming. We turned in time to see a huge dark mass clear our nine-foot fence. It quickly faded from our perimeter, lighting into the darkness. I asked for the area lighting to be turned off. 
I walked further up to the hill and switched on my night scope. I looked in the direction it had run. Since the magnification was weak, I really didn't expect to see anything. Then I saw it. It was leaned up against a tree, looking at us on its hind legs, breathing heavily. I yelled two o'clock two hundred meters. Then it turned and faded into the trees. Only one other patrol leader saw it. It was now 2.30 a.m. The forest meister arrived at the entry gate. I had to send him in. I asked the K-9 unit to foot patrol a fence, but the dog had retreated to his kennel and would not come out. I put all units back on active patrol and to remain extra vigilant. As I escorted the forest master to the dead deer, I explained what had happened. He listened carefully and seemed to be absorbing it all in. He took pictures of the deer for records, then bagged the bodies. He said that it didn't appear to be the work of wild boar. It had all the markings of a wolf attack. He said wolves usually didn't kill their prey. They usually died from shock and blood loss. They would knock it down and start eating the hindquarters with the animals still alive. This one killed them, then ate them, as evidenced by the neck injuries. I asked if they could jump nine-foot fence. He said this one could and laughed. The guys were jazzed, to say the least. We had a group meeting around 4 a.m. I said that I needed written reports by the shift's end at 6. 30 so to take turns patrolling. Alpha 2, command trailer. Opened his door, even though it was still dark out. I remember sitting there sipping some coffee, saying, Are they going to believe this? He said we were all going to piss in the bottle. That meant a urine analysis to see if we were on drugs. We laughed about it. When we got back to the armory, I was pulled aside by my flight chief and shift commander. I briefed them on what had happened. My flight chief asked me to take home the statements and proof read them first, then to turn them in before guardman. When I arrived, I noticed that the roster had been amended. We were all going back to Morbach. It was very rare to have the same patrol twice, let alone the entire area. On the bus ride out there, we were pretty much quiet. I stopped the bus at the altar to make sure the candle were lit and the old guy awake. Thumbs up. The flight chief showed up around midnight and we had a pow-wow. He said we had two choices. We could turn in the statements but omit the werewolf. References or shred the statements and have me write in the logbook that a wild animal had killed some deer in the wooded area behind the ammo building and that the forest master had been dispatched. End of story. As we all looked at each other, he stated that our perp would be called into question. Perp is a program that enables us to work around nuclear resources. To lose your PRP cast, a dark cloud over you, plus you got crap details while you were being reevaluated, took up to 45 days, so we opted for the later. Some of us choose not to talk about it, but obviously some did. It really happened. It wasn't some story to scare the Jeeps. Jeeps are fawns, rookies, etc. Was it a werewolf? Was it an endangered European wolf? Was it a coincidence that the candle was out that night of a full moon? You decide. As for me, I'll say this. The above statement is true to the best of my knowledge. I was walking through a woods with my wife. It's just getting dark, middle of the summer, so around 10 p.m. 
We see what looks like a body at the bottom of a large hill. I slowly make my way down to it. As I'm going down the hill just over halfway, I noticed an open backpack near a tree. My mind's racing think a personal fell or slipped something along the line. I get to the body and it's a mannequin arms and body half dressed with makeup. We were about tenish miles from the nearest house, even more from the nearest village. It made no sense if I'd have gone with the wife's first instinct to call police. We would have looked like complete morons. I moved the mannequin so it looked like it was waving and went on out way. On the way back, following the same route as we'd taken the mannequin, was put back in the exact same position as we'd first seen it. We hadn't seen anyone else for 90% of the walk, and it confused us even more. Never went back to that wood. Shit, uh, I think I just hit a bear, I thought to myself as I hit the brakes and pulled over onto the shoulder. The windshield was crushed, the hood was dented, but surprisingly there was no blood. It had happened way too fast for me to react. I was just driving along. Then there was a brown furry mass. Then a huge racket, and all of a sudden, I'm driving a busted car with a screwed-up windshield. I better go back and pull the bear off to the side of the road. Make sure nobody else hits it, I thought. Hitting a bear is bad, but running over a bear with all its teeth and claws and pointy bits had to be worse. I got out of my car and put on my jacket I had in the back seat. The snow that had been coming down lately all day had picked up, and so had the wind making my journey to retrieve this poor bear all the more annoying. I started walking back along the side of the road towards where I had hit the thing. I figured it must be a few hundred feet from where I had parked, considering how far I had driven after I had made contact. Walking along the shoulder, wind and snow in my face, and the light from my phone illuminating my path, I was trying to tell myself it was okay and that these things happened. There's no way I could have seen that bear out there. It just popped out, and I reacted as fast as I could. I was going to call 911 when I found it and then be on my merry way, but I found something strange, or rather I didn't find anything. I had walked far past where I thought I was going to find it, laying in the road, but I couldn't find the remains of this bear. There was no way that it had survived the impact. I hit it pretty straight on and heard the thing tumble over the top of my car and down on the other side as I drove away. Plus, the bear had been walking on its hind legs, so my guess was that it wasn't as protected as it could have been if it was walking on all fours. Maybe I missed it, I thought. There's no way that I hit it this far back, and it couldn't have gotten up and walked off. Given the terrible weather, I said, oh well, and began to walk back towards my car. The woods had always kind of freaked me out, especially being a city boy in the middle of Colorado. I did like getting away from the office and visiting my uncle up here, but the mountain resorts and rural escapes did have the downside of scaring the ever-loving crap out of me. Then I heard a huge crack coming from the woods off the side of the road. It wasn't like a branch falling from a tree in a storm. This was a huge, oh my God, there's something out, there's snapping sound. It was like a tree was literally being ripped away from its stump by sheer force. 
There's no way a bear can be both alive and in good enough shape to do something like that after I hit it with my car, I thought. I must have really pissed it off. Then, amidst my fear, I stopped and thought about that sound a bit more. A bear doesn't do that under normal circumstances. Bears are strong, but they don't go ripping trees off of their stumps, especially not after I clobber them head-on with my car. I decided not to ponder any more, and instead I thought it best to leave whatever was ripping the trees out of the ground on its own. I started to walk with a much quicker pace back to my car, breathing in through the nose and out through the mouth due to the high elevation. Then I heard another ear-splitting crack, more forceful than the one before. Not only was it louder, but it was closer to me than before, and I realized that whatever was out in the woods was aware that I was on the road. I decided to make it work if it was going to catch me. Well, that's how I put it now, when really my thoughts were more along the lines of, Oh, please no, I want to live. I need to escape this thing. I broke into a fast jog, still breathing in through the nose and out through the mouth. I tried hard not to think about what was out there and that imagine. Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany, and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live, and move to the UK. What a funny story this would be for Uncle Steve when I eventually got back to the condo. He was going to make me feel like such a wimp when I told him I was running away from noises in the woods, which he probably hears all the time. Then I heard thumping behind me. Something big, heavy, and angry was gaining on me from behind, and this absolutely wasn't my imagination. Just as I realized I couldn't outrun this thing, I saw my car in the distance. I might just get out of here, I exclaimed to myself. But as soon as I had that thought, the animal that had been ripping trees up popped out in front of me. For one thing, I nearly fear, shit my pants, and the other was my surprise at what this animal actually was. It wasn't a bear, but I could see why I thought it was. It was nine, odd feet tall, standing on two very thick legs. It had actual feet which were absolutely massive. Now I have big feet, size 14s to be exact, but this thing had feet that were at least twice as big as mine. It was covered in thick brown hair, had a man-like but somehow apish face, and was terrifying. Furthermore, it was just staring at me with an expression that said, I am very mad. It wasn't eating me, or tearing me limb from limb, or making jelly from my bones and spreading it on his ape. Man toast, just staring. Then, to my even bigger surprise, it spoke to me. I'll have you know that really hurt, it said in a rather collected and eloquent English accent. I think you've done in my leg. Now I can barely walk. How the hell am I going to gather food? I glanced down at his legs, and there was a rudimentary splint made from tree bark and rope I had it in my car wrapped around his right knee and calf. Weirdly, my first thought was he stole my rope. What a jerk. 
What have you got to say for yourself? He asked sternly, but without being particularly threatening. I didn't know how to respond. I had found Bigfoot, at least I think, and not only was he real, but he spoke extremely good English. Against my better judgment, I decided to speak, but the only thing I managed to say might have just gotten me actually eaten. That's my rope, I said. I had always kept some rudimentary survival gear in my car when I came up into the mountains. There was some rope, non-perishable food, a set phone, and a radio in a little packet tucked into my trunk. I never had any intention of using it. I was keeping it for a rainy day. But pointing this out to a gigantic cryptid, I must have sounded crazy, even to this thing. Is that really what you're going to say? He rightfully retorted. You've got a legendary woodland creature standing in front of you demanding an apology for a shattered leg. And all you can muster is you stole my rope. Are you mad? He stared at me for another second. Well, I did, but that's not the point. You've broken my leg, so I had to do something. I wasn't just going to let it heal wrong. Sorry, I said. I couldn't muster the words to describe what was going through my head at this point. I'm pretty sure that was due to my own ability to describe what I was seeing. I did have thoughts, and the best words I can use to describe them include bewildered, aghast, petrified, and up, shit, creek without a paddle. Well, you're going to have to pay me back somehow, he said. You obviously can't take me to a hospital because that would cause a great hullabaloo. He sat there pondering for a moment while I started to wonder how in the hell does Bigfoot know about hospitals? Isn't he an Australopithecus? That's what my anthropology teacher mentioned, right? I could barely gather my thoughts before he spoke again. You know what? How would you like to be the new Bigfoot? It's getting time for me to retire anyway. I had no idea that Bigfoot retirement was a thing. Hasn't there always been one Bigfoot? Or a small family? What the hell was Bigfoot talking about? He noticed my stunned, slightly confused silence. You didn't seriously think that there was only one Bigfoot, did you? He asked me, slightly amused. You're that naive. Oh, God. He began to laugh hard. I was slightly embarrassed, but a wave of calm curiosity overtook me. All of a sudden, I was dying to know more about this thing and their career situation. Okay, let me explain. With the exception of a few of us, such as Nessie, the Kraken, and Zulu, most don't actually live past a slightly longer than average lifespan. I got this job in the 60s after I accidentally shot Bigfoot while on a hunting trip. I was absolutely stunned. This is how the myth kept going? Just kidnapping people that came across you. I was very confused, but the calmness that had come over me earlier continued its effect. Bigfoot continued, The last cryptid to get replaced was Yet, who was wounded by a Sherpa that happened across his path. I was still terrified and amazed, but thankfully much less confused. So I have to become your apprentice, I asked. That's about the size of it. You'll never get to see your family again, and they'll never get closure on your mysterious disappearance. A few conspiracy theorists will come to the conclusion that I have abducted you, killed you, or eaten you, or something to that effect. But they will be. Marginalized and told that they are wrong. It's a hard job to accept. But you have no choice. 
and someone has to do it. Why is that? I ask, why not just retire and not take an apprentice? Does there really have to be all these monsters running around? It seemed a bit silly that all of these animals were purposefully keeping the myth around. Why not just let it die out? How I managed to ask this so calmly when I was so panicked beforehand is beyond me. You'll find out soon enough, Bigfoot said, winking at me. I'm not actually allowed to tell you, but trust me, as soon as you take the job, you'll be informed. I had a burning desire to ask Bigfoot more questions about who was keeping him employed and why he had to, and I could feel all the care of my old life being sucked away, readily accepting my new position as Bigfoot apprentice. Bigfoot walked over to the side of the road, casually stepped over the barrier, yanked a small tree out of the ground to use as a walking stick, and gestured to me to follow him into the woods. He talked to me as we walked. You're a big guy, so it won't take you long to adapt to the job. You'll have to dress in your underwear for a little while. Soon enough, the adaption process will begin, and you'll start to grow hair all over your body. That part terrified me, but I guess I wouldn't have to worry about someone finding me overly hairy, considering I was going to be Bigfoot. You'll also start to get taller, which is a very painful process but it happens fast, so don't worry about it. Once you've got the looks part down, you'll have to start scaring backwoods wanderers, leaving footprints, poop and such, for people to find to keep the Bigfoot myth alive. Being Bigfoot sounded like it took a lot of energy. If you don't keep the myth alive, you'll be in big trouble. But if you get caught, you'll be in even bigger trouble, so do not get caught under any circumstances. Better to not leave many clues than to get discovered. Don't get caught, number one thing. I was attempting to take mental notes, even though part of me still really hoped that I was dreaming. Try to stay away from those Finding Bigfoot documentaries. For one thing, there are a lot of them, and appearing in everyone that comes looking for you might get people more believing than is safe. Try to spook a few of the people making them, but don't go overboard. Just have fun with it. Nature documentary is good, but don't overdo it, noted. After what seemed like five minutes, but in reality must have been more like five miles, we reached a cave in the side of a mountain, and Bigfoot stopped walking. This is your new home, for now, he told me. We're going to have to move soon. People will come looking for you. That's another thing. Keep mobile. Stay in one place too long and they'll learn your location and get dangerously close to discovering you. Keep mobile. Got it? Bigfoot turned away for the cave and towards me. He checked his leg, let out a big groan, and then continued. Right. We need to begin training immediately. Rip off your shirt and let the hair start to grow. I was out super late one night, probably about 1994, being a typical badass kid. I had snuck out a window and it was about 4 a.m. and I had to hurry up and get home before people woke up for work at my house, so I decided to cut through the woods. It was quicker and probably safer than walking on the highway. I was 12-ish and half drunk cause otherwise I never would walked in the woods by myself at night. 
Now I'm a girl at that time, probably 110 pounds, and looked at least 17. I have a daughter that looks just like me that gives me nightmares. Anyways, I started walking, and I honestly couldn't see anything, like barely my hand in front of my face. But I had walked this path many times, and it was well-worn. I was almost to the other side when someone about three feet from my face was holding a beeper and lit it up like they were checking it. That's all I saw. No hand or body. Just a floating, lit-up beeper. I took the F off and never did that dumb shit again. Well, I never walked through the woods. I totally snuck out my window again. I used to work in a shitty little mall in the suburbs of a city known for crackheads and shootings. Okay, most cities. I was about 16 at the time, and when we closed the store, we had to leave through a back alley as the mail mall had long since been locked up. We always left in pairs, but a few particular nights I wasn't able to catch a buddy. Mind you, I would always park under the streetlights so I could be seen on cameras and always called my mom as I was walking to my car, a little life tip I stole from the movie taken in case anything were to happen. On several occasions, creepy shit would go down. Had someone wrap a shirt on my windshield wiper and attempt to get me back out of my car? Nope. Had a stalker type who would come in and follow me or the other girls around the store. Their whole shift and even buy them coffees wait for me outside the alley exit. Had some dudes walking through the parking lot start walking toward me in my car. So I booked it and sped the heck out of there. Had someone literally slash two of my tires from the inside. I was 16 years old. I think, had I not been raised to be hyper-aware, I would have easily been a victim to any of these targets. I've had this issue for years. They disappear completely or end up in places I never put them. Several months ago, my door was open in apartment when I came home. Nobody else had the key. Make in and check the downstairs camera. Nothing. The only thing that was missing was my dad's hunting knife. It was always tucked and hidden beside my bed. He has passed a long time ago. He had an extensive knife collection. Shortly after this, I heard footsteps on my balcony at night. I couldn't sleep for weeks. My balcony is so high up, nobody could have been on it. I've had knives appear on the counter, and I never put them there. I'm not making this into a paranormal thing, as I'm not sure, but it freaks me out. I've had so many paranormal experiences, it doesn't bother me as much anymore. Pastors and members from church have anointed my place. I have moved many times, they still follow me. An ex and I went glamping in Santa Barbara a few years back and had planned to watch the meteor shower up a mountain, above the trees with unobstructed views. So we took some wine and blankets to my car around midnight and drove up this super long trail before we planned to get out and hike up. As we reached the top where we were to leave the car, something just felt strange. Nevertheless, we hiked up and found a spot, but after not long, I could hear something in the distance and we were sitting in darkness. I didn't like it, 
So I suggested we go back to the car and find a spot along the driveway that has a good view. We get back to the car and lay the blankets on the hood and lie on the top of the car, Wayne's world, watching the airplanes. And suddenly I hear a noise again, no less than 15 feet in front of us, her cat eyes. That little reflective twinkle. I slipped through the open car window and turned on my headlights and there was a mountain lion standing right there in front of us. My ex gets back into the car, too. We pull the blankets inside and watch the lion walk off to the side of the road. I drive maybe 200 feet further down the trail and suggest we watch through the sunroof or windshield, and as we are, the mountain lion turns up once again. We decide to leave back to the base and to our cabin. Strangely, the parking spot I had my car in under a tree for morning shade was now taken, and so I parked elsewhere. In the morning, the rangers had put up mountain lion present warnings and a massive branch from the tree that my car was initially under had broken off in the middle of the night and smashed straight through the other car's windshield. Just a weird night. This happened at the end of last year, the night after Christmas of 2022, to be exact. For context, my sister is someone who needs hard proof of anything before turning to belief. She is not someone who would make up a story like this for shits and giggles. She is also very easily frightened and hates scary pranks, which my family admittedly loves doing. She is the younger of us all, so we love teasing her, but we never go overboard, and her being the baby of the family means we are all protective of her. So it is the night after Christmas, and we're all gathered in my mother's country house watching Marley and me, of all things. All is going well until we start hearing thumping noises around the house. Nothing spooky or out of the norm, since we have little critters running around half the time. We were just all aware of the sounds. Up to this point, I thought we were playing a silent agreement prank on her, so I joined in to the tapping and knocking without her noticing. She also thought it was a prank and was calling us out for it, but we were all denying it. That is, until we start hearing what sounded like someone throwing stuff around. That is when we caught on, that it was someone or something outside making these noises. Still, we did nothing about it because there are dogs that sometimes try to get into the trash cans, but by this time, my sister is already getting alarmed. At this point, I had caught on that it wasn't a prank and stopped all tapping and knocking, and it went quiet for a little bit. We continued watching the movie. Then some minutes after, my sister lets out the most terrified shriek I've heard. She sprang away from the seat next to the window she was on, claiming she saw something going by and started crying and near hyperventilating. Our brothers and I jumped into action and went outside to see what was out there, and we found nothing. There was some stuff thrown around which we already expected, but other than our gate security lights being on, there was absolutely nothing to see. We walked around to see if we had to shoo away a dog or a small animal, but there was nothing there. She was begging us to come inside all the while and refused to step outside. My sister downright refused to talk about what she saw even when we questioned her. So we decided to call it a night, but she was so shaken up that she decided to sleep in my bedroom with me. Mind you, we are women in our early thirties or late twenties. 
We left after a couple of days, and I pretty much forgot about the incident until yesterday. We were having a video call, and she told me she had something to confess, even though she was afraid I'd think she was crazy. She told me the night of the incident. What made her scream and panic like that was a four-legged creature running on all fours across the field between our security gate and our house. I was like, okay, maybe it was a dog that she saw after all, but nope. Her voice was breaking apart in fear and wonder when she described a damn werewolf-looking thing. Big, around ten feet at least, is what she guessed. Limbs long and strangely shaped, covered in hair, and although she said it was obviously very fast, it seemed to her that it was moving deliberately slow, as if it wanted to be seen. It suddenly like her personality changed. She turned into a steadfast believer, and I'm honestly skeptical. I've always read about cryptids from an entertainment point of view, and she knows this which is why she confided in me, and why I know of this sub, and I want to be supportive, but how can such a thing be true? Looking back, I have one single experience that might be related, but even so, I think it was a dog that she saw, and in her already frightened state, her brain made her see other things. I don't know what to think. I don't want to give her the impression that I think less of her because of this, because I really don't, but I don't know how to handle this. All I know is that my little sister is terrified. Everyone, I have a new account now, and I went and saw them like one of you suggested out in southern Indiana. I rented the cabin and blasted the music, and here they came three of them. But what's strange is they didn't try to run me off when I opened the cabin door. I didn't have a gun and didn't have any urge to harm them, so I don't know if that was it. But they stood next to our car and looked at me and my friend, almost as if saying hi. I'm firmly convinced they weren't there to scare or harm, but to warn, almost like they knew I wanted to see them. I can tell you these are flesh and blood animals, but extremely intelligent just by how they moved and the look in their orangish eyes. Each had slightly different colored coats. One was almost black, the other a more normal brown. He stood closest to me, and it was definitely a he. Farthest away was a female, I believe. The almost black one was younger than the others, as he stood a bit shorter, at about six feet even, I'd say. The other two were similar in height, around seven feet. I looked at them like this from outside the cabin, mere feet between us, about ten feet from us, and I never felt that I was in danger. But just as quickly as they had arrived, they turned to their left and ran. I'd say the whole encounter was around four minutes, start to finish, but it was something glorious. I don't even know where to begin. On the early morning of the 9-11 events, I woke up after having the strangest experience of my life. I had this dream where I found myself inside a building after what it looked like some kind of earthquake or an explosion. I could see offices destroyed, desks, phones, papers, printers, computers, everywhere. Holes in walls and floors where you could see into other sections of the building. 
I could see those lights with the long bulbs hanging everywhere and flickering, and I could taste dust in my mouth. Lots of it. At some point, I encountered a huge hole in one of the walls, and when I got closer, I could see down to what I recognized was Central Park. This walk through in this building lasted for it seemed forever, and I was the only one there. I remember waking up with the strangest of feelings. Around 1 or 1, 30 a.m. on the morning of 9-11, with a racing heart and soaked in sweat. A huge headache, but a kind of headache I've never had before. It was a headache, but did not hurt. I can't explain this. Also a sense of confusion. I woke up from that dream in a hyper state of, WTF, was that? Type of thing. I was living in Vermont at the time with an ex. I woke up and went to bathroom, and I sat on toilet lid trying to understand what I was experiencing, and to rationalize, I just had a weird dream. My ex came into the bathroom and asked me if I was all right since I spent so long in there, according to her, but from my perspective, it had only been a couple of minutes. I let her in and shared my dream in detail. She listened and convinced me to go back to bed that it was just a bad dream, so I did. Fell back asleep, and the next morning I went to work as usual. When I get a call from her at work, and I will never forget what she said to me, it's happening. OMG, your dream, it's happening. I remember freezing in place to the old landline phone to my ear. I can't remember what I said or did before walking to the hotel's restaurant TV and watching as the second plane hit the towers. I was in my 20s then, late 40s currently. I am agnostic and skeptic. I am no longer with my ex, but we share a daughter and talk once every few years, and we really, really dislike each other, but the only time when we can talk like civilized people is when we remember that experience. As the years have gone by, we compare memories and what we recall, we always recall the experience the same way, same order of events. I wish I knew what it meant. Maybe there was something I could have done, but maybe they would have thought I was crazy. Or worse, involved. I carried an immense amount of guilt after. I drank heavily for some time until I moved to Maine at the time and forgave myself on the account that I didn't even understand the dream myself to begin with. If anybody read this, thanks. Sorry for the length. Thoughts appreciated. I had a dream a few months back where I was standing in the backyard of my parents' old house, and I had this super black seven, eight-tall dog man standing next to me, and I was too scared to look up at his face, but I knew while in the dream that it was a dogman. It felt like it was making its presence known to me that it was real being, and it knew I was aware of their existence. It didn't attack me or anything, and then the dream ended. I heard a story from a friend years before I'd ever heard of Dogman where someone seen something with glowing eyes that went from being three foot tall to being eight foot tall on the side of the road, not even a mile from my house. Makes me wonder if there is one in that area. I also had a life-changing close-up encounter with a flying disc that hovered over the road right in front of me, about a mile away from where this supposed sighting happened. Not sure if the two are connected, but 
I'm kind of scared I might have an encounter with a dogman at some point. Spending the week at my uncle's cabin near L.E.J. in North Georgia had always been a peaceful getaway from the hustle and bustle of city life. Surrounded by dense forests and tranquil landscapes, it was the perfect place to escape. However, one night would change the way I viewed those woods forever. It was a crisp autumn evening when I decided to step out onto the back porch for a quiet smoke. The cabin was nestled deep in the woods and the only source of light was the moon above. As I inhaled the cool mountain air, I couldn't help but notice a strange rustling sound coming from the trees. I dismissed it initially, thinking it might be some woodland creature going about its business. But then the noises grew louder and closer. I squinted into the darkness, and my heart skipped a beat when I caught the glint of reflective eyes peering out from the shadows. Fear prickled at my skin as I realized something was out there, something I couldn't quite identify. Curiosity, or perhaps my need to rationalize the situation, led me to grab my phone and turn on its flashlight. The beam of light cut through the night, revealing the dense forest that surrounded the cabin. And then I saw it again, those eyes reflecting the light eerily. My heart raced, and I decided to record the strange encounter convinced it might be a deer or some other innocent animal. Slowly, I approached the edge of the porch, trying to get a better view. As I got closer, my dread turned into sheer terror. It wasn't a deer or any creature I could recognize. It was the silhouette of a figure, a man-like shape standing there in the darkness. A shiver ran down my spine as I realized that this was no ordinary encounter. I stumbled back, dropping my phone, and the figure seemed to startle as well. It made a sudden movement, and without thinking, I darted back inside the cabin, locking the door behind me. For the rest of the night, I remained vigilant, my eyes fixed on the window overlooking the woods. I didn't dare venture outside again, and the fear of the unknown gnawed at me. The figure, whatever it was, never returned, leaving me to question my own sanity. Desperate for answers and reassurance, I decided to reach out to the local community. I posted my experience online, hoping someone nearby might have had similar encounters or could identify the mysterious figure in the video. As I waited for responses, I couldn't help but wonder what I had stumbled upon that night in the North Georgia woods. The uncertainty and fear of the unknown would haunt me for a long time leaving me with a deep sense of unease every time I returned to my uncle's cabin near Elijay, where the woods held secrets I was not yet ready to uncover. Hey everyone, so this was 24 years ago on Nova Scotia. I was sitting on my grandma's porch having breakfast, it was still early dawn, forest was darkened past the clearing about 200 feet from the house. Saw these largish green eyes high up in the trees looking my direction. After 20 minutes I walked inside for a few minutes to clean up and came back outside to nothing. I've tried looking for what sort of critters live out that way with green eye shine. Cougars are rare in Nova Scotia. Opossums in the area extinct and a regular explanation for tree-dwelling large green eyes. 
This has been bothering me ever since it happened.